Hello everyone, welcome to Cyber Inspiration Podcast. My name is Evgeny. I have been around cybersecurity for the last 20 years and I have a lot of experience working with a variety of cybersecurity vendors. My main work is vendor consulting and cybersecurity advisory for companies. As part of my passion in technology and cyber, I've been intrigued to learn how a company starts. I started the podcast to understand the thinking process and what motivated people to start their own company. This podcast is affiliated with Security Architecture Podcast. I have Mariana here today to talk about her company. And I almost made a mistake to call the company the wrong name because now the name is Hackerverse. So maybe you can tell me about yourself and also about all the naming you guys have. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So first of all, thank you so much for having me on today. I'm Mariana Padilla, co-founder and CEO of what is now known as the Hackerverse, formerly known as Kicker, a 10,000 foot view esports platform and marketplace for cybersecurity. I'm really trying to change the way the world buys and sells cybersecurity software. This is great. This is important. I know several people in the industry trying to change and there's so much money going towards marketing. I personally like the idea because I can share and understand some of the revenue. But also, I think overall, we wanted to make it easy for the vendors and we want to make it easy for the customers. At the end of the day, are the ones that are buying. And I think we're all a bit fed up with AI-based marketing that company like yours, people like yours, and XYZ without actually understanding and checking what people do and if it's applicable to the company. So... The company been around for about a year and a half, two years? Yes, absolutely. About two years. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So what happened in your mind? What happened two years ago? What clicked? You're like, shit, I want to do that. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. So my background is actually in marketing. I had a general understanding of what cybersecurity was, but hadn't really considered it and really entering the space until I met my co-founder. Really, it was living the pain of purchasing enterprise software. And so it was specifically marketing software. I was trying to get a client onto HubSpot and it was super painful. And all I wanted to do was be able to go in and access all the features. So when you sign up for HubSpot for free, you can get access access to a limited number of things, but we had very specific requirements that we were looking for. And in order to see the full suite of the tooling, we had to get on a sales call. And then we had to get on another sales call. And then we had to get on another sales call. And then the sales team like literally turned over in the process. We had to start over with someone new. My client was just like, how long is this going to take? It was super painful. And so when I met Craig, my co-founder, Craig Elrod, and he told me he was building this marketplace so you could kick the tires on tooling that you're considering and these on-demand sandbox environments. I got it immediately and didn't know much about cybersecurity. But when he told me sometimes it takes 18 to 24 months for buyers to evaluate, purchase, onboard some of these tools, I immediately thought to myself, holy cow, this is a problem that needs solving. So initially came on just on a contract basis, doing some marketing work, really loved it, learned more about the industry, and then became a CEO last November. Congratulations. Thank you. So you started with an idea, it turned turned to something. I'm guessing you didn't raise the money during this time. Did you went and raise the money later or decided to wait and start developing it? Yeah, so we've been bootstrapping this whole time. We're still fundraising. We had a pre-seed round open last year. As everyone probably knows, it was a garbage time to be fundraising (laughs) just for a variety of reasons. I have high hopes for 2024. We've made a lot of progress and I think people are starting to recognize what we're doing and they've heard of us. I go to conferences now, I introduce myself. They know what we do, which is like amazing and incredible. So I think this is our year. We've been bootstrapping up until this point and have had some really great successes with that. 
that. So it's only up from here. That's my that's my so great. <laughs> so you didn't raise the money, but you needed to hire people to build the product. Tell me about this process. How hard it was to hire people? How hard it was to explain to people that you're bootstrapping and they basically need to potentially have another job or eat mm-hmm. out of the cotton milk and not have a steak for dinner? Mm-hmm. What's the process? We are really lucky to have an incredible team. There are 12 of us on this team who some of them have been working with Craig for even longer. So I would say about two years now with him to build this up. And it really comes from understanding the problem, having lived the problem and being extremely passionate about solving it. So we are very lucky to have tapped into a group of people whose talents run the gamut from, you know, development, from sales and marketing, who've been in the industry a very long time and know that this is a problem that needs solving, who are working for equity at this point. We do have a development team. As we onboard these customers, we're able to pay our developers, our contractors who are are amazing and wonderful. But it's really been tapping into people who understand the problem and are passionate about solving it because it is not fun to work for equity and not get paid to do this work, which is essentially for me a full-time job. So you really have to be passionate about the problem that you're solving. So I'm passionate about the problem this as well. I think it's great you guys solving this. Tell me about culture, because mm-hmm. you'll be passionate about the product, passionate about the problem, but if the culture sucks, you're right. not going to stay. Yeah, no, absolutely. I have been with companies where the culture was garbage. The mission, what they said they were doing was wonderful, and then you get in the door and it's, wow. <laughs> I am not surprised your turnover rate is what it is. So did you change it? Did you have an idea that you need to set this? Because you can just decide on the culture you have to actually... Right. One of the reasons I did decide to join Craig and it was his passion for and mission for bringing more diversity into cybersecurity. That was one of the very first things that he told me was we need more women and people of color in this space and I would love to have you on the team. And so he has been very welcoming to me from the beginning and very going out of his way to try to be more inclusive and bring people into the space. And so I think that's really baked into our DNA as a company is inclusion and making people feel welcome. And so for me, I have, like I just said, been at companies before where the culture was terrible and lived that now know what not to do. So I think it's very much about elevating the individuals on your team and respecting the work that they do and honoring the fact that uh, at the end of the day, a company is not a family. I think for me, when you say a company is a family, that's a huge red flag. These people have families of their own and lives, and I respect that. And we have work that needs to be delivered at the end of the day. I also truly believe in balance. And getting to know each of my team on a human level is very important to me. So we just have humanity check-ins every two months. Like, what's going on with you and your world? Like, we don't even talk about work. It's because I care about you as a person. And I think at the end of the day, that's the most important thing. Even so the team is small. It's only 12 people, but I'm guessing you guys doing so many different things and you need to do pre-sales and business development. How do you manage all the tasks? (laughs) Oh, (laughs) building out the plane as we're flying it is the answer to that question. It is very much like trial and error. I am very much like a procedures person. Thankfully, I have the experience of building companies from the ground up. Previously built a marketing agency, Red Lab Marketing, scaled it from just me to a four-person team and significant yearly revenue. So I have had that experience before and was able to thankfully leverage a lot of that knowledge and process 
processes and bring it into the company. I think it, if anything, I'm not going to say that I recommend like a project management tool, like not getting super specific into the weeds, but it is very much about tracking accountability and and those weekly goals, because that's going to be the things that matter to customers, to investors, to the outside world. I can't say that I would recommend any specific process or procedure, but just making sure you are organized and then you are tracking those goals publicly and that the team has visibility into those things. Fair, fair. This is really good. You mentioned you built marketing agencies before. So you did sales before in a way. Mm-hmm. Yep. Tell me about a sales. Tell me how hard it's for you to sell. Do you like the process? What's good? What's bad? Because you're helping companies to sell better, but you need in the same time need to sell your company. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah. So first I will say that I, when I started my marketing agency, it was like a sink or swim situation. I'd been changing industries from education and nonprofit into marketing, had been applying for all of these jobs. And then the pandemic hit and all of those went away. <laughs> and so I started freelancing and then built an agency from there and had a lot of baggage, I think, around sales because we've all experienced bad sales and we all know what that looks like and feels just like the high pressure situation. Honestly, the thing that will make you run away fastest is when the salesperson is desperate you can feel the desperation <laughs> from them. End like of the quarter, oh. End of the quarter, I need to feed my kids. <laughs> exactly, exactly. But at the end of the day, sales is really just understanding people's uh, pain points and knowing how to solve them and telling them that. And so I think a huge part of being successful at sales is honestly communication and storytelling. And so if I can listen, and I guess listening, being able to listen to people is also very important. So not being on the front end, coming into this conversation and like trying to tell them what their problem is and how we can fix it. It's very much just like sitting back, listening to them tell their story. And then if it's a good fit, great, let's continue this conversation at that point. Sales mode is on, but sometimes it's not a good fit and I'm not going to try to to push that because I I know that. So I think it's listening, communication, I guess a little bit of empathy and storytelling is really, I think, the keys to sales, much like with anything else, not just sales. I'm a big believer of soft skills, like Mm -hmm. big believer. There's stuff coming in the space as well. So you mentioned something very important about active listening, listening in general, when people Mm -hmm. talk about themselves. But to get to this point, people need to even willing to jump with you on a call. People Mm -hmm. want to understand why does I need to listen to you? Mm-hmm. How do you deal with this part? You mean to get to the point is going to open up. I think the way that I approach this and a lot of honestly, my prospecting has come just through connection calls. I think that's how we met was a virtual coffee. And I always tell people on the front end, hey, this is not going to me be me pitching you anything because I think everyone knows sometimes you get on a call and it's like a sales call and you're like, oh shit. Anyway, so I think honestly, like one of the biggest keys to success has just been be willing to open the door with not a sales call, like just getting to know people. And I think that this is like one of the biggest signs to me that what we're doing is actively needed because I talk to people, we're in conversation, I ask them about themselves, they want to know more about what we're up to, and they instantly get it. Like instantly, it's holy crap, where was this the last time I was sourcing for SIM software? Where was this when I needed X, Y, and Z? How can I help this succeed? And like my record was 408 virtual coffees last year, which is a, a lot of coffee, a lot of water, a lot of conversations. And just being able to hear people's stories, get to know them. And then a lot of times it opened up the door to, hey, I'm going to take this back to my team because I know we are not meeting our sales goals. And this is exactly what I need. So I think it's just networking. It starts out with networking is what I would say about that. I think it's a very good comment. Thank you. Let's switch a bit topics. Talk about work-life balance. Yes. Yes. Does it exist? (laughs) 
<laughs> I mean, it's going to be different for everyone. Um, for you, I'm not talking about yeah. everyone. For you, yeah. I'm not. Yeah, I'm, I'm not trying you to explain and pitch on TED Talk. Just how does it work for you? And I had different stories. Some say it doesn't. Some say yeah. Some say it's a black and white. Like everybody's different. Yeah, I think it's it like ebbs and flows. And it's really a sign for me. I posted about this a couple of weeks ago on LinkedIn. I just could not get anything creative out of it. It was just, there was nothing there. And usually I'm just like constantly bubbling up ideas for like how we can improve the business, things we can do. And it was just not happening. And typically for me, that's a sign like, all right, you need to start working out again. So I truly believe that you are at your top of your game as a leader, as a creative professional, whatever, when you take time to do, I hate the word self-care. I think it's so cheesy. Do the self-care. We'll just go with it because people know, know what that is. Whatever that looks like to you, whether it's exercise or just walking the dog or like getting outside. I find when I've been too long in the computer, it's like my brain just shuts off and I'm like, I can get the basic done, but I'm not contributing in the best way possible to the team. Actually, a follow-up question. How do you deal with stress and failures? Because we all have sometimes failures. So after a failure, how do you get back and actually yeah. can participate? So is this the same? And what do you do? Do you run, yeah. work out? meditate, shoot arrows. It depends on how big the failure was. Okay, let me just say that I I think failures are just part of the process. I really only truly think it's a failure if you don't learn anything from it, then it's a failure. Otherwise, it's just a step in the process. It's kind of, I really how, kind of how I think about that. And so I think there's such a stigma around failure, but really it's just trial and error and how we learn. Yeah. For instance, I like I was part of a pitch competition in December, which was amazing. We didn't end up winning. It took me several days to get over it because it was $100,000 and non-dilutive funding would have been an incredible opportunity and had a lot of feelings about who did end up winning. You just have to, like I said, be willing to learn from it. And for me, it was like, okay, I'm really pissed about this for 48 hours. And I'm like, don't talk to me, just leave me alone. But then I will reflect it and was like, okay, this is really honestly a sign. Would you like, go run? Would you go to a gym? <laughs> I'm a Peloton user. I, I'm a Pelotoner. Join me on Peloton if you want to. I can share my username. Always get to have accountability. I do think exercise is a huge part of it. Definitely releases those. Are you also going for outdoor rides as well or just Peloton? I think walking my dog is the other thing that I'll do. Getting out on, the, on a trail, being in nature, I think is super, super important also. If you can go back and start all over again, what would you do differently? And I know it wasn't like five to eight years, still a <laughs> yeah. short time, but you started around two years ago with the entire yeah. idea. Yeah. So I kind of rolled into this and I can usually, I know I'm a fast learner. I can pick things up along the way. I didn't know what I was doing when it came to fundraising. And I, I think that's a lot of new founders don't like, I wasn't a new founder. I'd built a business, but we never at any point in time pursued outside capital. Really outside capital doesn't necessarily is a good fit for small service-based businesses. So just built that from the ground up. So I would say, and I think it was clear in some of those early conversations that I didn't know what I was doing. So I think the biggest piece of advice that I would have is just to go in and do some more research on that end of things. Always be learning is the other thing that I would say to people. It doesn't matter where you are in your journey. You can always learn something new, whether it's about fundraising, whether it's about people, whether it's about new industry trends, whether about LinkedIn networking, like whatever it is, there's always areas of opportunity to be learning something. You mentioned failures. There's actually a section in the podcast book called Dark Side. Mm -hmm. When you share the failures, you already mentioned some. Of course, we don't want names. We don't want international information. But I kind of like the idea that you did 440, whatever the 
coffee calls last year, share some screwed ups, share some failure <laughs> calls again, without mentioning people like yeah. some aha moments. Like I didn't expect this happened. Yeah. I think a couple of them I got on a call and I do basic just looking through people's LinkedIn is like, is this going to be a good conversation for both of us? Because one of the things that I always ask people when I'm on a call is like, how can I help you? I very much believe in like giving first and that whole mentality. So doing some basic research, there are a couple calls that quickly became clear that they were doing some sort of, uh, I don't want to call it a side hustle, but like building something on the side that could be a competitor, what we were doing. So then it was like, all right, we, I don't know what else we can do with this call. I don't know how I could have addressed that on the front end, but there were a couple times that someone thought I was asking them out on a date. I don't know how much that was me and how much that was them. It's like the same thing I tell everyone. It's just, Hey, I've been enjoying your content. I'd love to just connect and get to know your story of cybersecurity better. Yeah. I don't know if there are any major failures other than just like communication challenges sometimes. And some conversations go better than others, I guess is my only takeaway from that. <laughs> I know before we record it and by the time it's going to be out, I hope it's going to happen. Do you want to share some of the news you, you, you shared before the recording or you want to do it later on? Yeah, no, absolutely happy to share. So big announcement from our team. We were accepted into the Google Growth Academy AI cybersecurity programs, highly competitive program. There were 16 teams chosen from across Israel, Europe, and the United States. And so we were one of them. Heading to Germany in mid-February for that kickoff. It's going to be incredible to have access to the Google network, the mentors, all those individuals, as well as just be able to connect with some of these other early stage founders. It's all serious. A and under, I believe, is kind of the. Have you even the, found the, it about this place? I'm sorry, what was the question? How did you even learn about this academy? Oh, yeah, so they had advertised on LinkedIn, I believe, is where I saw it. Put it out there. We had a great conversation with them. I had a good feeling about it from the beginning, and it ended up working out. So get a mini vacation out of it, too. So I've, I've never been to Munich. If anyone has any recommendations, let me know. <laughs> By the time going to be here, we're already past this time. So maybe you comment <laughs> on the link and say, how was it? Awesome. Mariana, thank you very much. Very lovely conversation. You're an amazing human being. I think I understand why people like to talk to you. It's a just combination of easy conversation and also the topics and the depth of information you guys provide. Thank you so much. Really appreciate that. It's such a pleasure chatting with you today. Awesome. Thank you everyone for listening. See you in the next episode.